Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ, and this is my wife, Shayla. Good morning. And uh, you guys don't get to see us much together. We are, we are married. So uh, nobody, no, she's usually at our other campus uh, most Sunday mornings, but we're excited to be here together for the end of our mixtape series. And uh, this weekend, we're, we're going to be spending some time answering the questions that you guys sent in all throughout this series, and we got some, some really, really great questions uh, that came through. But before we do that, as I was thinking about this weekend, I, I thought about the fact that, you know, we've been having a lot of fun, and we've just been discussing relationships and marriage and, and dating and what does that look like. And, and so, uh, again, I found myself in, in meme land this week, and I thought that there's there's some ways that, that we can— Man could, has a problem with Yeah, I, I love memes. Uh, in fact, I call them meme-meme. Mimi's, uh, and so, and so One, I found, no, seriously, you guys, one day, TJ came to me, and he goes, Shayla, Shayla, you got to look at this, I found a meme, and <laughs> I need to show it to you, I was like, what is a meme, I was like, do you mean a meme, and he's like, yeah, he does it all the time, yeah, I, I make stuff up all the time, it's awesome, it's I very don't know that you make it up as much as you don't read it right, yeah, or I don't read it right, I just, I just pronounce everything the way that, you know, like, it makes sense to me, it's Mimi, so it's, uh, anyways, uh, I, I found something that I thought would describe some relationships, and so this one, we're starting our lives together. Let's spend all our money in one day. That is, yes. that is, that is how most relationships start off, you know, just spend it all. I, I like this one right here. Uh, math made simple. If you have $20 and your wife has 5 she has 25 Come on, yes. married, Amen. <laughs> married men. Amen. That, that right there is the truth. And, and she'll uh, spend 30 and she'll, Yeah, and she'll spend 30 unfortunately. With a coupon, because she saved money, so it's it's all good. Uh, I, I found this one. What is like living with my husband? Uh, now, now this is this is I've been told this is true in most houses. This is what it's like living with my wife, and so uh, just just saying, babe. We better watch yourself today. So that, I'm doing this in front of everybody else, so you can see if she hurts me. It's like. <laughs> public it's public anyways uh so i didn't want to do don't try to understand women women understand women and they hate each other <laughs> come on now I had you know nothing you to know do that with that these right that's true okay so shayla had nothing to do with these this is what happens when i have too much fun uh and so i this never laugh at your wife's choices you're one of them true 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 so you're you're upset by some of those things okay and then uh, this one, if two people love each other, nothing is impossible except deciding where to eat. Come on now. <laughs> where do you want to go? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That's all that it is, isn't it? And then it? he chooses one, and I'm like, no, I don't want to go there. You know that that's true. You, we're just process of elimination. Eventually, we're going to get to what she wants to go to. Exactly. And, you and are then, a smart man. And then here, here's how you know you've, you've hit a solid relationship status right here. Love is not having to hold your farts in anymore. That was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I had ev every like married guy that's like part of our worship team was like, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> that's that's when true love has has come. The to unmarried life. ones, they don't know. The yet. unmarried people, they're like, oh, we're not supposed to do that, you know. And so you'll find out. Uh, anyways, we've been talking about relationships, and we've been talking about how to build relationships the right way by building it up the spiritual and moving social, interpersonal, emotional, get married, physical. And so over the last four weeks, you guys have been texting in your questions, emailing in questions. And so 
We just want to take today and, and answer your questions to the best of our ability, according to God's word, according to uh, what, what we think. And so we're going to have. Hopefully we'll get through all of them. Hopefully we'll get through a lot of them. Uh, I don't know that we'll get through all of them, but uh, we're just going to dive in. First question. Uh, what does the Bible say about your husband traveling with another girl? <laughs> wow, we started off easy. Um, Shayla, why don't you answer oh, that? Oh, Lord. I don't, I don't know that the Bible says anything about traveling with another girl, but I think there's some, there's some questions that I would have. Like, is it necessary because of their job? Like, there's, you know, a couple of factors there. Or is this a choice, just a choice that they're making? And on both sides of it, I think there has to be some boundaries that you set up on the front end so that your wife or your spouse can feel confident that when you go into those places or you have to do those things for your job, that you have some boundaries set up in your life that isn't going to cause there to be any unhealthiness between the two of you. So I wouldn't say like, oh my gosh, you should never do that because some people's jobs do require it. But if that's a choice that you're making and you're that husband or your wife to do that, then I would encourage you to communicate with one another and to be able to set up some healthy boundaries so that there's confidence in your relationship. Yeah. And guys, just so you, you need to know this, that the most one of the most foundational issues of your relationship is you building security into your wife. Every yeah. woman wants security. And so if, if you haven't built security, then this is just going to make them more insecure in your yep. relationship. And yep. so the greatest thing you can do is build into your relationship to build security, to build trust, to build that before there's ever that those kind of things. Because otherwise, what you're doing is you're depleting trust before that's ever built. Yeah, and it, it kind of sounds like it's not something that's a mutually agreed on thing to where, you know, one person's struggling with that in the relationship. So I would say you need to have some conversations. And if you're the one that's traveling and you don't really need to be traveling with that other person, then you guys need to talk through that and maybe back off of that a little bit yeah. because it's important. The other thing is is that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yep. Uh, the Bible says that. The Bible actually says that in Corinthians. So just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. Just because it's permissible doesn't mean it's advisable. Yeah. And so you, you just got to look at that and have a discussion. Yep. Okay, next question. Uh, someone told me that women are more attracted to bald men. Is that true? If you, so, I'm shaving my head. TJ, you put this in there, didn't you? <laughs> He does this every time, like sneaks in these questions. I, this, this is, I, didn't, I didn't take this he question. He probably in. has some statistic that says it's true. I actually, I do. The University of Pennsylvania <laughs> did a study. Uh, this is, go Google it. University of Pennsylvania did Everything a study. Everything you find on the internet is true. When it's from the University of Pennsylvania, it is. Okay, so <laughs> uh, University of Pennsylvania did a study, and they, they, they showed women pictures of men. Bald men came as more attractive more secure, and more authoritative. That's so, why I married you. So, like, if you're bald, hey, smart man, smart man. If you're not bald, you might want to try it. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> Actually, I married you when you had hair. Yeah, yeah, so uh, you didn't know you didn't know you were getting something better. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 back, wait. Do we, okay, that's next question. We don't need to leave it there. What if you are married... What if you married a non-Christian already? How do you start fixing it? How do you start fixing it to start from the spiritual blocks? Mm. That's a that's a good question. That is a great question because what if you're married to a non-Christian already? Like 
that that is a choice that that you've made and the bible actually talks about like being unequally yoked and and kind of being together with somebody that maybe doesn't have the same values or you know beliefs that you do and one of the things i think do you think that w- the scripture in peter is appropriate for that um is it yes so there's a verse in first peter 3 um where is it you go ahead while i find this what do you think well here here's what it says it actually says in in first corinthians chapter chapter six (laughs) and seven uh is it the book of tj it talks about the fact that if if you're married and one and your spouse is not a believer that uh you can win them over and Mm -hmm. so and so like if they're not at the same place you are you have to study the spiritual block because here's the thing it says that you can influence them um and and if you'll stick with them what it will do is it gives them an opportunity to possibly see jesus through your life yeah and And so and so can you let me go so so here's the thing uh if (laughs) this is great isn't it and so here's the thing i'm I'm gonna guess there's some issues and so and so you want to address everything from the emotional level and, and so what you got to do is you got to take yourself out of that emotion of like, hey, I'm upset, I'm angry, and go back down and go, God, how do you see them? How do you feel about them? I know how I feel about it. I'm frustrated. I'm angry at them. Uh, we, we're disagreeing on a lot of things. But God, how do you see them? Help me to see them through your eyes. Help me to love them the way that you love them, even in the midst of all their garbage and all their junk and all their disagreements. I, I want to I be right here. So, Sarah, you can, you can give your answer. Yeah, and, and I'll just piggyback on that and saying, like, the only, you're not going to change that other person. The only thing that you can do really is change yourself and getting that spiritual block and that foundation where it needs to be in, in you and who you are. Reading the Bible, going to church, serving, all of those ways are ways that you can build that spiritual block in your life. But I would say the other thing is, it's like when, when you're married to a non-Christian already and you have these beliefs and all of these different things, our tendency is to constantly say, come over here. You need to believe what I believe. You need to do this. Come to church with me. Do this. Why don't you believe this? And constantly trying to force everything on that other person. And we eventually become that naggy person. And then that other person is going, I don't, that's not what I want. And so what this is, what the Bible is actually saying is many times you can win that person over, not by inviting them to church and doing all of these things, but actually it says by your purity and your love. It actually says that us, by being believers, if we'll build up that spiritual block and we'll just love that person, it can change over time. And so I would say to you, build that spiritual block and love the best that you can. Don't nag but love. Good. Next question. What are the biblical consequences of being unequally yoked in marriage? Well, I I mean, I think, I don't know that there, there, I guess the Bible says that you don't be unequally yoked, but if you've, if that is part of your relationship, you're married to a non-believer, the consequences would would be there's going to be some friction and some challenges because you don't have the same value system. You don't have the same belief system. And so there's going to be some tension in the relationship. And so the consequences of that are going to be that there's a lot of different places in your life that you're not on the same page that you're going to have to work harder 
to develop that intimacy and that love and all of those things because you're on different pages, you know, in that area of your life. And so the consequences are just going to be, I think, relationally, how do we raise our kids because we both believe something different? How do we, you know, connect in different ways or serve or friends or any of those things? There's this constant challenge that can be overcome. Again, love and communication and all of those different things. Yeah, and I would say it's really easy when you're a Christian, the other person's not, to move from grace to law really fast. Uh, where we go from love to rules and regulations, uh, you're breaking the rules, and therefore, like, all you do is is beat them up. You know, when anytime you beat somebody up with the Bible, it doesn't draw them closer to Jesus. That's right. Yep. But, like, it just doesn't. So why don't we overcome with love in those mm-hmm. situations and, and stay in grace because God had grace for you when you were in that situation. Yeah. And you got to remember where you were to help impact them to where you want them to go. Yeah. So, yeah. next question. Uh, how to fix a failing marriage if your spouse doesn't believe in Jesus or accepts him as his God? I mean, I think we've just talked a lot about this. And actually, there was, there was a lady that I heard talk one time, and it was this exact situation. You know, she they had gotten married. She had gotten saved, but her husband wasn't there yet. And there was, he would, like, make fun of her for going to church and believing these things and all of that. And there was so much tension in her relationship. And she said, what I did the entire time, and it was years, like, he would go out and gamble and he was drinking and doing all of this stuff where, and her heart was grieved. And she said, I would just pray and I would go to church. And if he would tell me, you know what, I don't want you to go to church today, she wouldn't go to church that day. And she just honored him and honored him and honored him. And eventually, not in months, years later, he had an experience with God, actually got saved and ended up becoming a pastor. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. And what the best thing that you can do in this situation is, again, it goes back to, to love. And it's, it's, I think, fixing a failing marriage if your spouse doesn't believe in Jesus I would go back to one thing that I think TJ said this entire time is if there's struggles that are happening in your relationship and your relationship is failing, you need to go talk to a counselor. I, even if it's not failing, it's a great thing to do, but there's a way to be able to communicate because so much of it is needing a mediator, you know, to be able to talk through some of those things. And when you have a mediator there that can say, hold up a minute listen to what she has to say or listen to what he has to say. There's some tools and some principles that can happen in your relationship regardless of of what your beliefs are to help you have a healthier marriage. Yeah. Next question. As a Christian wife and the non-Christian husband is having affairs and drinking and still says he wants to be married, how to act without mentioning divorce but without being too permissive? Go ahead, TJ. Thanks. Uh, um, one, I, I think that, like, just because you're a Christian and they're a non-Christian, if if they're doing things that are defiling the marriage bed, as as, as the Bible talks about, like, you can set boundaries. Um, you know, there there's a, a healthy season in relationships. If that's going on and they don't want to change, that you you can set some boundaries and go, hey, we might need to separate for some time to work on this because it doesn't seem like you really want this. Words and actions are totally different things. You can say one thing, but your 
actions actually tell me what you're really saying. And if they're saying they still want to be married, then you can say, if you want to be married, I need you to stop sleeping with that person. <laughs> or I need you to, you know, yeah. stop doing these things if you really want to make this marriage work. Yeah. And, and setting some boundaries and, and having hard conversations um, and getting help. Listen, there's nothing wrong with getting help. Um, and, and sometimes there's so much tension in that relationship that you need a mediator to help you decipher uh, what's true and what you're lying to yourself about. Because we all lie to ourselves because we only see ourselves in the best light. Anybody else like that? I, I see how awesome I am. I don't see all my faults. Yeah. Some of y'all are laughing. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, that's how, no, you just see my faults. So, it, like, it's important to have somebody else there that's, that's not on either side that's like, hey, here's what's going on. Let me help you see some things. Let me help you see some things. And maybe we can, we can find some common ground and start building from there again. And I think it's such a positive thing that you're trying to do something without saying, man, I want to go straight to this divorce place. Yeah. But really saying, how do I work on this in a, in a healthy way that's going to protect me and bring us back to that place that we need to be? And I think that's where TJ said, sometimes that separation and just being apart and saying, we're both going to work on some things so that we can have healthiness in the end. Yeah. Okay, next question. Is it okay to have sex every day? This has got to be a woman no, asking No, TJ, this. you know you put this in there. <laughs> this is my question. Come on now. That's your question every day. <laughs> well, I got a scripture for that, too. Book of TJ again? No, oh. no. First Corinthians 7, verse 5. Guys, write this down. Do not deprive one another except with content, some consent for a time. So, like, if you ask for it every day, like, don't, don't deprive. That's all I got to say. I'm sure it keeps going there It, it does. It says if you want to fast and pray. So if you're I into fast fasting and pray, and, uh, you're, yeah, <laughs> you're into fasting and praying, you got it out. But otherwise, just saying, just saying. He really did put that question in there. I did not put that question in there. Uh, <laughs> Shayla, when is a time of separation advised in marriage? Apparently when you're fasting and praying, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. How, you guys that are married know that there there's so many times where it's difficult to work through something when you're constantly around that person. And maybe there's, um, you know, some challenges that you're having that are always taking you to a place that's this constant arguing or there's abuse or there's, you know, all of these different things that are happening in the relationship and you can't work through them and I together think some, in the same. Some, some people that are further along are advising you, hey, maybe now is the time that you need to separate to work on this individually. Because yeah. it, it goes back to, like, stop trying to find the right person and become the right person. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can't fix yourself in the middle of the relationship. And, and like, I, I'll put it like this. It's hard to change your tire going 90 miles an hour down the road. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to pull over on the side of the road and go, man, i got to change this tire. i got, I got to fix my problem yep. uh, before I fix our problem. Well, and and anytime you're having trouble in a relationship, it's not just a singular person typically. Uh, you know, we they might be ninety percent of the problem, but you still got ten percent. So let let's 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 pull over. Let's work on your ten percent. Not not saying for minor things. I'm talking about major, major, major yeah. issues where people are going, man, this is a super unhealthy situation. Uh, there's potential danger here. 
there's, there's some things going on that it's, it's not good for you to try to fix this in the middle of it. Well, and I think, again, going back to counseling yeah. is starting there and allowing somebody, that mediator and that person to say, hey, I think it would be best for you guys to take a step back for a little while to be able to work on these things separately and then, again, come back together. But it's good. The Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And so many times we try to do things on our own or we try to figure things out and we, we try to work it out here, but really we need to invite somebody else's wisdom into that space because we don't see clearly when we, all we see is the negative, you know, and when we're hurt or we're frustrated or anything, that's what we constantly see through the lens of. And so inviting someone else, a counselor or a mediator into that space can kind of help you determine you guys can work this out together or maybe we need to take a step back for a little while. Next question. How do you forgive when your partner has hurt you so much emotionally, when you've built walls to protect yourself from them, and now they are trying to do better by you? That's a really great question. How do you learn to trust them with your heart again? Mm. Wow. Can you go back to that last slide? How do you forgive when your partner has hurt you so much emotionally when you've built walls to protect yourself from them and now they're trying to do better by you? Like what I what I love about this question is it says it it's here going, we're both working on this. Like it's obvious that that other person is trying to get back to a place of trust. And there's actually something that TJ and I have learned over the years. And I think one of the major keys in relationships and in marriage is communication. And while someone has hurt you, hurts happen in so many relationships. And some are much deeper than other hurts. But if that person is trying and you're willing to forgive, there's some communication that has to happen. And I know for me, I brought a lot of baggage into our relationship because of past hurts and all of those things. And I could have projected those things on TJ. It wasn't TJ that, that did this to me. But one of the things that we learned over the years was how to have healthy communication when that person has hurt us or trust has been broken. And so something that we've done is there are times I know it's really hard to believe that TJ does things that cut deep and like ask for sex every day <laughs> cuts deep so one of the things that we've learned if if tj does something like let's say we're in a group of people and he says something and in that moment man it is just rubs me the wrong way or sends me into that hurt place not when i'm angry in the moment but when we get back home or whatever here's what i do i don't go in guns blazing to tj like, I can't believe you did that. What I do is say, hey, I don't think that you meant this this way, but this is how it made me feel. And it gives him an opportunity to go, man, I didn't mean it that way at all. But if I go to him and be like, I can't believe you did this, then he's arguing back going, but that's not what I meant. And so when you've had trust broken and you know that that person is trying to overcome that and win your trust back, I think that communication could be really positive. Like, hey, TJ, I see that you're trying to rebuild my trust. And I want you to know that when you did this the other day, it brought me back to that place. And I don't think that you meant to do that. And it gives him a chance to go, no, 
I was trying to rebuild that place, and I'm so sorry that you felt that way. I'll do that differently next time. And there's communication that can happen, and that can begin to build that trust back into the relationship because you're learning to communicate your feelings and what's happening without criticizing what's going on. Yeah, that's good. Next question. How do you handle conflict without losing it? Uh, I, I would say, you know, the Bible tells you uh, in your anger, don't sin. So if you, you have a tendency to fly off the handle, uh, then I would tell you to walk away from that situation. Um, because I want to walk away. Because here's, here's what I've learned. I never help any situation when I'm angry. Like, no situation that I've been angry in has ever gotten better because I was angry. In fact, usually it becomes a lot worse. And so what do I need to do? I need to walk away and I need to, to assess what's going on in my heart. Yeah. I need to fix me first before I go and try to fix the situation. And a lot of times when that conflict is rising up, what happens is, is you start burning and you naturally we all want to defend ourselves. But if you have a chance to take a step back, you can, instead of being in the middle of the situation, you take yourself out of it. All of a sudden you start to see a lot more clearly. And you can reflect, and you can go, okay, here's the thing. And then when I've calmed myself down, I can go back and have that conversation. And, and I realize that there's – some people love conflict. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they like raising their – they, they do. They, they seek it out. And, and let me just tell you, if you're seeking out conflict, there's probably something internally wrong with yeah. you. You need to go back to the spiritual You need block. to go back to the spiritual block and go, why am I creating conflict? Because some of us will self-sabotage relationships because when things start going good we're like we don't know how to react to that and so what do we do we go back to what's familiar with us which is is bad and 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 so we need to pull back and we need to go jesus what's going on in my heart right here uh and, and check yourself before you wreck yourself and so um and then sit down and we found this is the best way to deal with conflict uh if i hold shayla's hand it's really hard for me to yell at her I'm try serious. It. Try. When you're angry, try to hold hands. I promise. you. It's so hard to be angry and have conflict holding hands. It's almost impossibility. And so uh, it's, it's lame, but it works. And they'll try to throw your hand off, and, and you just hold on. You hold on with dear life like a bucking bronco, and eventually you're going to solve that conflict. It's true. It's, it's true. It, yeah. Okay. Next I question. I do it a lot. So, Pastor TJ, I was flipping through the channels the other day and saw the 90-day fiancé show. What's up with that? They're telling me I can have a fiancé in 90 days. Do I really have to wait a year? No. <laughs> you can have a fiancé tomorrow. But, but what comes quickly usually isn't very good. True. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we, Shayla likes to put it in the idea of the microwave. You can get a meal out of the microwave, but it's not very nutritious, is it? And so if you want something good, you can, you can get something quick. Quick and good are totally different. What about this? Uh, yeah, uh, well, there's, there's all kinds of books that, that I, would, I would just say, listen, the reason I said the one year is if you haven't had healthy relationships, you're going to need time to build your relationship with God. Yeah. And if you'll get your relationship with God right, then when you start looking for people, you won't settle for the person that wants the 90-day fiancé. Because let's just be honest, look at The Bachelor, Bachelorette, any of those shows. How many of them have successful relationships? Because mm -hmm. happily ever after only works in the movies. Yeah. A healthy, good relationship doesn't make for good TV. Yeah. So uh, those TV shows, those people are all jacked up. Let's just be honest. 
you've been on one of those two resets, you're probably jacked up. Go back to spiritual. Take a year. Just saying. Uh, next we only we only have time for like a little bit more. Okay. What the last question? Why is there pressure to get married on paper? We know that we are committed. So why does it matter if it's official, Shayla? Why does it matter if it's official? So why does it matter if it's official? Why not get married? Why not get married? We can flip it on the other side. You're saying, why does it matter? And I'm saying, why does it matter if you do make it official? If you're committed, what does it matter? There's so many benefits to being married. And, and actually, the official is actually, that's actually a covenant to, between you and God. And there are witnesses that are present that are there to hold you accountable and say, I agree with this, and I believe that you guys are going to make it happen. So I would say to this person, why does it matter if you, if you do make it official? Why does it matter to you? You need to do that. And go ahead, because you're looking at me funny. No, I'm just like, <laughs> it's, it's funny to me because everybody wants the benefits of marriage without the commitment of it. Yep. Uh, yep. And so that tells me that, you know, you're statistically speaking, you know, I read a, uh, I talked about a study from UCLA. You're doing everything that pretty much tells me that you're probably going to fail your relationship because you're not truly committed to it. Because commitment is putting a ring on it and saying, I will and I do for the rest of my life. And I'm going to be held, uh, I'm going to be held at that standard where right now you have no standard. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and you want all the benefits without the, the covenant. covenant of saying, hey, God, before everybody else. Because here's the thing. In a covenant relationship in the Old Testament, if you were to look at that, if you broke that, they killed you. Yep. I can see why they're scared. Yeah, I, I mean, there's good reason to be scared. But that's, that's, but that's commitment. Like, yeah, I'm so committed right. to this, then I'm willing, I'm willing to, to die, die for it. Yeah, it's good. That's called commitment. Yep. And so uh, uh, we, we have a couple of books that, that I think have been some great books that, that we've I, I, here's the thing. I was huge on pr preparing for marriage, and uh, I, I think preparation for marriage is awesome. And so some books that have been incredible. If you're a single person, uh, The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating by Andy Stanley. This book blew my mind. We are on vacation. I read this book in like three hours. It's unbelievable. Uh, I'm still reading books. Why? Because I want to have a great relationship. Uh, Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman, if you've never read it. Uh, standard for relationships, how to relate to your spouse. Marriage on the Rock. We actually have a connect group going on right now. This book blew my mind. When we did this study with Jimmy Evans. Jimmy Evans is the best at relationships. It changed our relationship. It changed our relationship. Unbelievable. Uh, when I was a single guy, I read this. It's called Lady in Waiting. Uh, I, hey, listen, I was single, and I wanted to know everything I could about my future. When, we, so, were, when we were, like, dating, TJ would take me to this park because he was trying to get to know me, and every time he would just take me to this park and sit down, and then all of a sudden he'd pull this paper out of his pocket, and there was like a hundred questions on it, and he would start asking me questions every single time, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is intense. Like, he would ask me these questions. Finally, after this happened like three times, I was like, maybe I should come up with some questions. I don't know. <laughs> that preparation. Yeah, you, you can't promise your way past preparation. Uh, I, I said that earlier in the series. I, I just want to leave you with three three quick thoughts um, because marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. In fact, I, I think we even we even have a slide that 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 spells it out there. 
It's spelled W-O-R-K. Uh, what is that spelled? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we don't. Uh, and we, they, y'all moved it to the front. That's fine. That, that, that's called marriage right there. Marriage is work. Work is marriage. And so uh, if I give you three things real quick, the first one with this, and we've talked about it many, many weeks, get a vision for your marriage. We, we've looked in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. And you've got to get a vision for where you want your marriage to go. And here's what that will force you to do. When you start to focus on your vision for your marriage, it'll force you to work on your foundation. It'll force you to go back here and go, what do I want in life? What does that look like? And so the second thing I would encourage you to do is work on your foundation. A lot of us, we're trying to find the right person instead of becoming the right person. Or we're trying to fix the other person instead of becoming the person that God has called us to be. And I think it's so, so critical that we get back to the foundational thing that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. Everything else you're looking for begins with your relationship with God. And so what happens is, is your foundation is going to determine the expectations that you have of your relationship. And, and, and here's what I encourage you to do. Number three, talk about your expectations. Because a lot of us are going into relationships believing wants are needs when really they're just wants. And so we walk in with these unrealistic expectations because we've never talked about them. And we all that we've seen is movies. All that we've seen is Hollywood. And we've talked about this over and over and over again. That the Hollywood formula just doesn't work in real life. It's great for a 90-minute movie, but it's not great for a 90-year relationship. And so you need to start determining those expectations. And what happens is is as you focus on your vision and as you start working on your foundation, you'll start to realize that your role in a relationship isn't to serve yourself, which is what expectations are. It's about me, right? But the Bible actually tells us in Galatians 5.13 that we're to serve one another with love and so the greatest thing that we can do is serve one another and go hey what is it that you need in this relationship I want to make sure that I'm fulfilling that for you Shayla and then what happens is because you're mutually submitting to one another all of a sudden that starts to get reciprocated back and forth and what happens is love grows and love expands we start to realize what God Get ready to pray. If you guys would put the slide up there, we have some.